There's going to be a lot of wonderful things in heaven, but I think probably, for me, one of the coolest things is this glorified body. Um, it, one one thing is that um, it gets me to wondering just what is a glorified body and what are we going to do with it? You know, we talked for a minute last week about uh, this this fishing hole that I know of up in Northern California called Holmes Hole. It's on the Hoopaw Indian Reservation. Uh, it's the the Eel River, which is just this this huge, beautiful river. And there is a what's called a run, which is, is you have like rapids, and then you'll have a long run that the water is just as still as can be, and then the rapids will pick back up again. Well, in this long run of still water, uh, is probably the 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 most lucrative fishing hole that my father ever found, and he was uh, he was kind of famous in the area for being an outdoorsman and and uh, 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 a fisherman, and he hunted and he did a uh, radio program each week in our little hometown on fishing and hunting, you know, and had a, a weekly newspaper article on fishing and hunting and. One of the funny things about it, I just tell you the story. Doesn't have anything to do with the lesson, but like I said, if you've heard the story before, don't stop me. I want to hear it again. Um, my dad had this this uh, fishing um, article that he did once a week in our local newspaper, and he would call me in to his office while he was writing his uh, his um, article for the week. And he'd say, son, where do you think we ought to tell him that the big fish are biting today? <laughs> so he wasn't about to tell him where he was catching all those big fish. <laughs> so we had literally, I'd been out on the water with him, and boats would follow him as we were trying to get to where we were going to go fishing. And they would follow him to see where he was going to go. But quite often, uh, if you went by the... A newspaper article, someone had misled you about where the really big bass were. <laughs> um, so uh, th- this wonderful thing called a glorified body, uh, there's actually, there's I think there's quite a bit of information in the New Testament about it. Um, one thing is that if God is giving us a body, then there, he must have a purpose for that body. Uh, And God's purpose for us is to do his will. I say, well, wait a minute. I thought when I got to heaven, I was going to be able to just lay down and rest up for about a thousand years. I can't find that in the New Testament. In fact, I listen, I have searched the scriptures diligently and cannot find the word retirement anywhere. (laughs) All I need is one verse. (laughs) So... uh, (coughs) We know that we'll be sinless in heaven and that that the Bible answers these questions. Uh, Our glorified body will be totally transformed to be like the body of Jesus. And the question that nobody really knows the answer to, but that great theologians surmise and write books about, is what are we going to look like? You know, uh, there's there's one group of theologians that says that everybody in heaven is going to be 33 years old. 
that's how old Jesus was when his earthly ministry was over. There's there's no scripture to back that up, but it sounds good. <laughs> um, and so when Jesus said, you know, I go and I prepare a place for you and you're going to be like me. Well, they take that as as that we're all going to be a certain age. Uh, it does appear from scripture that not everybody is the same age. Uh, not everybody looks exactly the same. Uh, the Bible says that we will know one another. Amen. We know in Philippians 3, that passage of Philippians 3, 10 through 21, the Bible says we have a citizenship in heaven and that we await our Savior from there. Things may be bad. Things may be tough. But the good news is that one of these days we're going to hear a strangely... Uh, recognizable trumpet blast and look to the eastern sky and our Savior will be there saying, come on up, let's go to heaven. And so we'll just, man, we'll be like Superman. We'll just fly up there to it. Amen? That's called the catching away or uh, uh, the rapture. The word rapture is not used in the New Testament, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. Uh, Paul talked about the the uh, the carrying away of the of the saints. Um, so we eagerly await that, and the Lord is going to transform our our physical bodies into glorified bodies. One thing I found about getting older is the older I get, the less my body wants to cooperate with me. Um, I, and I, I just, I don't have, the older I get, the less explanations I have. Mostly I don't know. Um, the, I know that God heals. Amen? Everybody believe it? God heals. Um, three months ago, I had a torn rotator cup. Uh, I have a, a letter in my office from the, the uh, from the doctors at the VA saying, you know, this, this is torn uh, this this is is this is ripped, and they go through about fifteen different things. And basically, what it was was that my shoulder was just destroyed. And uh, uh, we went to a healing service, and the evangelist laid hands on me. He's a real good friend of mine, and God healed me right there miraculously. My wife was standing right beside me. She didn't get it. I can't explain that other than to say I don't know. But I know that there's enough in the Bible about heaven that the things that we can know ought to just excite us to a point where we're like the old drunk. We're ready to get on the next bus, you know. Uh, so Philippians 3 tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, there's an old gospel song that talks about that we're just passing through this world, you know. Uh, and we we want Jesus to come. And Jesus wants to come. But that last person that he wants to come hasn't had an opportunity yet to receive the gospel. Uh, 
the Bible says that the Lord himself will transform our bodies into glorified bodies. We'll have these glorified bodies. Why? So that we can be like Christ. And if you remember from your scripture readings this week, that's what Jesus told the disciples. He said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And not only he said, am I going to go prepare a place for you, but when you get there, you'll be like me. Um, so what will that body be like? First John 3, 2 says that we will be like him when we see him face to face. One thing we know about heaven uh, or about those that have gone on to heaven is that they are easily recognizable. That if you're in heaven, I won't have to come ask Jerry who he is. I will know Jerry. Amen. And uh, if you remember in the Garden of, e- uh, Garden of Eden, Garden of Gethsemane, when Christ was often alone and he was praying one, one night, that, that he was at such anguish that his father sent two men from heaven to minister to him, Moses and Elijah. And the interesting thing to me is that immediately the disciples said, there's Moses and there's Elijah. Well, how did they know that? They knew that because somehow with our glorified body, we are recognizable. And we we know them and, and they know us. Um, now, we are not divine like God is, but we are like him. We are not divine. He is divine. We will not be gods. Now, there are certain, uh, we were talking about uh, b- before uh, class, about one group of people that uh, has in their doctrine, if you read their primary doctrines, one of them says, as man now is, God once was, and as God now is, man will become. That's Mormon theology. But folks, that's a lie. There's nowhere in the New Testament or the Old Testament that tells us we're going to be God. We're not going to be gods. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go have my little planet over here and be little God Jr. and have my own little people down here and take Mrs. God with me, you know, and, and uh, all that sort of stuff and then come over and see you, the cousin God of that planet. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, so we won't be divine. He is divine. But we will be glorified and we will be transformed by his divine presence. We will be transformed by his presence. Not by ours, but by his. So let's look a little bit at the glorified body. First of all, we shall be like him in identity. In the book of the Revelation, it's clear that John recognizes the risen, glorified Christ in his eternity. After his resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples. And it says, when Jesus appeared to them, the disciples immediately knew it was him by recognition of his voice and his appearance. They immediately knew it was him. At least this group did. Luke twenty four thirty six. 
says that Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be to you, or peace be with you. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Jesus is saying, look, I'm not kidding, man. It's me. Look at, look at me. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Handle me and see for a, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you have seen. He said to them, have you any food here? Now, this is the part that I just, it just blows me away. So Jesus has gone, he's back, he's got his glorified body, he just shows up in the room one day, and he says, uh, have you got anything to eat? Well, why does a man eat? For one of two reasons, either he's hungry or he enjoys food. Amen? And we know Jesus loved fish, amen? Not catfish. <laughs> that's another. That's another class. Uh, and so it says, so they gave him a piece of boiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and he ate it in their presence. Notice that he still had the appearance of a man. Uh, that he had a, apparently had a real physical body. He still had flesh and bones. He could still eat. As my friend Johnny Cook says, this means that there's going to be lots of eating in heaven. <laughs> I like what Jesse Duplantis said about the marriage supper of the Lamb. He said, man, that's such a great dinner. It's going to take seven years just to eat it. So we love to eat. There's nothing wrong with that. So, so I, you know, I find that reassuring that that uh, we're still going to we're still going to be eating and then we're going to eat fish. Hallelujah. That's that's right up my At least, huh? At least fish. That's right. Yeah. Better be yeah. Um, <clears throat> the Bible goes on to say that we'll be able to uh, recognize our loved ones, those that have gone on before us, we'll be able to hug them. We'll we will know them and they will know us. Someone sent me a picture here all oh, three or four months ago of my great, 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 great grandfather, an old tintype photo. And as I was looking at that, I saw this book on my desk and it just sort of, I put two and two together and got four. It hit me that when I get to heaven, I will know him. I will immediately know who he is. He lived 150 years before I began on this earth. And yet, immediately, I will know him. And he will know me. Is that cool? I mean, man, it just sends chills up your back. Uh, we notice also that the Lord's body was an incorruptible body. That he could appear in a room with locked doors and windows. That's pretty spooky, huh? Yeah. That just, there's something about this glorified body that we have to we have to understand and we can't understand. In fact, I don't even know how to. I really don't know how to teach it. But there's something about our glorified body that, because it is outside of the constraints of this blue planet. That we will have the ability to do things that we cannot do now. 
that we cannot do now. We will be on God's time. And God's time is no time. There's no time in heaven. There's no, there's no clocks in heaven. You know, there's, uh, there's no need for that. I, I can't explain it. You know, I, I, some things in life we just have to take on faith as they are. You know, I can't explain it. I, I've tried. And it's always a garbled mess when I get through with it. So I just choose to believe what the Bible says. But the Bible shows here that he could disappear. That he was real. Yet he was spiritual at the same time. There's something about this glorified body that releases you from the constraints of this world. That if Jesus had the desire tonight, he could just sit in that chair right there. And immediately we would all know who he was. Now, how does that work? I don't know. You know, I, I've not watched enough Star Trek to figure it out. But uh, if, if you're a Star Trek fan, God lives outside the space-time continuum. I can loan you the videos. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So, uh, that's my Star Wars theology. So, now that he has this spiritual body, we never again will be able to feel pain. We won't die. We can't die. We are eternal beings. Um, uh, and, and so our, our body will never be under the curse of sin. Man, if you don't think your, Bible's, your body is under the curse of sin, just when you get home tonight, lock the bathroom door and take all your clothes off and look in the mirror. <laughs> you know, I look at myself when I'm shaving and I think, where did I get that spot? Or I look at my hands, and if you look close, you know, I've got spots here that I didn't have last month or six months ago. All of a sudden, my hands have become my father's hands. And I asked my doctor one day, I, 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 some of you all may, may know Teresa, but I asked her, I said, what do you call these spots on the back of my hand? She said, we call those old age spots. <laughs> well, we're not going to have any old age spots in heaven. Amen. <laughs> so, second, we, real, we shall be like him in purity. We shall be like him in purity. Revelation 1.14 says this. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. Uh, Psalm 51, 7, David prayed, Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. That same cleansing that David prayed for is available to every one of us when we call on the name of Jesus by faith. Isn't it wonderful that when God forgives us, he forgets that sin? I know lots of folks in church that if you said, would you please just sit down and tell me your whole story? Really don't want to sit down and tell you their whole story. You know, I don't want to tell you my whole story. You'll think there's something wrong with that guy. You know, where'd that evil come from? You know, where'd that hate come from? Where'd that, that desire come from? But <clears throat> So the same cleansing that David is praying about here is available to everyone who receives Christ by faith. 
all the guilt, the sorrow, the headaches, the trouble, the regret for all the past will be gone away. That's one thing I think that is one of the top items on my list that I'm looking forward to. Is that remembrance of my sin will go away. See, because God's already forgot it. But I still remember it. But he's going to take that away too. In 51, doesn't he always say, I mean, daily, I see my sin. No, we won't forget. No, I said when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, we will no longer know about our sin. But he's, he, he will cleanse us from all iniquity. Um, we'll be pure like the Son of God is pure. The hymn writer said, would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood of the Lamb. I love that song. I love that song. I was listening to a... I, I, I was listening to a song today. I was I was studying. I thought, well, I'll put a little Christian music on in the background. And I couldn't find what I wanted, so I put it on my wife's Christian radio station. And they were singing this song. And they sang the same line 19 times in a row. And I thought, you know what? I got that back about the third time you said it. I'm just going to leave that alone. I'll get in trouble if I don't. Uh, number three, we shall be like him in knowledge. We shall be like him in knowledge. Revelation 1.14 says, The Savior with eyes as a flame of fire. Uh, and sim- this symbolizes divine knowledge and judgment. You know, on earth, we've got a lot of unanswered questions. But we're not going to have any unanswered questions in heaven. But I also think most of the things we worry about right now and think we want to know the answer to, when we get to heaven, we won't care. We just won't care. You know, the old song goes, for the first thousand years or so, just look for Jesus. I'll be right there. I mean, we don't... What we worry about now, we're not going to be concerned with in heaven. You know why? Because that's where God is. That's where Jesus is. He's right there in heaven. And when when you are surrounded by God, all you care about is God. You care about God. Um, so on earth, we've got thousands of unanswered questions. We're not going to have those questions when we get to heaven, I don't believe. You know, some people say, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go ask how this is, such and such and such and such. I don't think so. I think when we get to heaven, what we think now, we completely forgot. It would be like foolishness of a child, you know. But in heaven, we're told that we shall know even as we are known. Now, that's an unusual verse. So read that a couple of times. That we will will be known even as we are. That we will know even as we are known. Uh, another way to say that is that we'll know them and they'll know us. Uh, 
in our final glorified state, we will have the privilege of knowing the divine mind of God. Any of you ever struggle with that? I do some things when something happens that I just don't think it was fair that that happened. Then I have to be reminded that God never promised us fairness. But sometimes I do, and I'll pray and say, you know what, God, I don't like what you did. And that there's nothing wrong with that. That's not sin. That's not sinful. That's telling your daddy how you feel. But he always reminds me that what's important is he knows best. He knows best. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, Job didn't do anything wrong. The, the closest thing Job did to, to sin that I can find is he said these words. That which I feared the most has come to pass. So, evidently, like any good father, he, he, he was concerned and he had this fear about what might happen. But, but you know, that's just, that's just normal as far as I'm concerned. So, and, and I think it's interesting that, that God said to, uh, to Satan, uh, well, yeah, go ahead, test him. It just doesn't seem fair, does it? I mean, it said Job was a righteous guy. He was, in, in where he lived, he was the most blessed man in the whole country. So what does God do to him for being a faithful <coughs> servant? He sicks the devil on him. What well, doesn't make any sense? But it does to God. It does to God. And now we can look back and we can say, well... Okay, I kind of understand God, why, you know, how God did this. I understand how God did it. I just don't understand why he did it. <laughs> so it's it's not, sometimes I, I just, I do. I'll, I'll sit down and I'll say, Lord, why, why can't? Right now, there's something that I want from the Lord and only the Lord can give it to me. And, you know, I say, you know, Lord, your word says that if I'm in the right spot with you, that I can ask what I will and you'll grant it. And so I ask. And I still hadn't got it. So, you know, I, I don't know. I just I just have to say, Lord, you know better than I do. Because sometimes we think we want something. And then when we look back years later, man, we thank God we didn't get what we wanted. Amen? Garth Brooks has got this great song called uh, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. And he talks about uh, he and his wife are, I think it's like a, a, a reunion, and they see this person who he just thought he was in love with when he was young. And, and come to find out she wasn't all that he remembered that she was. You know, and so he says, he looked at his wife and says, God, thank you for unanswered prayers. Um Scientists say that we only use about 10% of our mental capacity. About 10%. In heaven, where the curse of sin is removed, we will have unlimited mental potential. Unlimited mental potential. With our glorified minds and bodies, we'll have all our questions answered. We won't need to go ask somebody else. Amen. Amen.
Number four, we shall be like him in eternal purpose. Eternal purpose. In Revelation 1.15, it describes the glorified Savior as having feet like fine brass. And brass symbolizes strength and endurance and identifies the Savior's eternal purpose. So since we will be like him, we will reign and rule with Christ, serving him and worshiping him forever. What is our main purpose for being created by God? To worship God. To fellowship with God. That's why he made Adam in the first place. I think, now this is just one of the, you know, this is just, I think this. Okay, I'm not saying the Bible says this. So, I think that what we'll look like is, we'll look like Adam when Adam first got to the garden. Because he communicated with God with no restriction. Face to face with God. He was able to look at God and God could look at him. And it wasn't until there was sin that he said, oh, i gotta cover some, I got to cover something up. Uh, and God said, you know, we will come let us make man in our image. Well, the first question is, who is he talking to? He's talking to himself. He's talking to himself. It's like when we pray in the Spirit. When we pray in the Spirit, literally what's going on is... The Holy Spirit that lives in us, watch this, is talk, the, God the Holy Spirit lives in us, and when we pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us is praying to God the Father. God is talking to himself. That's why he uses his language to do it, because he's talking to himself. So when your wife says to you, you know, hey, you're, you're talking to yourself. Just go, hey, I'm just being like God. <laughs> that was funny the first time my wife heard it. After that, wasn't funny anymore. <laughs> uh, so we will fulfill our eternal destiny. Galatians 6.9 says this. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Anybody ever get weary of well-doing? Boy, it's easy to get to that place, you know. Um, For we shall reap if we faint not. If we faint not. In eternity, we will have unlimited endurance to perform the task. We will be assigned in serving God with our lives, our gifts, and our abilities. Let me say that again. We will have unlimited endurance to perform the tasks assigned in serving God with our lives, our gifts, and our abilities. Number five, we shall be like him in victory. We shall be like him in victory. Revelation 1.16 says that the risen Savior is the one of powerful and triumphant. Revelation 19.35 says this, And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Don't you find that interesting? That 
that he's going to rule with a rod of iron. That's pretty harsh stuff. When we get into eschatology, we'll talk about that one of these days. The Bible states we shall rule with Christ. We will not rule Christ. Remember, we're not God. We will rule with Christ. Um, We will be given unlimited strength. Unlimited endurance and victory as we serve him with our spiritual gifts. Philippians 2.10 says this, And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. You know, someday, everybody is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. They may tell you today it's not going to happen. They may kill you because you believe that and preach that. They might cut your head off. They might shoot you. They might say you're crazy. But someday... Every knee will bow. Every knee. And every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we get to heaven, there will be no opposition to his rule. No persecution of his servants. No failures. You can't fail. Isn't that great? Man, I I failed at just about everything I ever did. But you cannot fail. Failure is impossible in heaven. No persecution, no failure. Every enemy will be banished. There will be no more sin. No failure, no sickness, no fear. No trouble, no hatred, and no injustice. Every day will be joyful and filled with blessing. Number six, we shall be like him in his image. In his image. Genesis 126 says God created man in his own image. But when man fell into sin, his image of God was effaced. It was distorted. Uh, It was, uh, Paul talked about looking through a mirror that, you know, wasn't quite clear. Uh, It was not erased, but it was disfigured. In heaven that divine image will be restored to us and we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Do you know there's no, uh, there are no utilities in heaven. There's no electric company. Uh, there's no need. There's no need. The light from, that emanates from the throne the Bible says, illuminates all of heaven. We will share in his eternal glory because 
of his grace. Because of his grace. I find it incredible that from the from the beginning of time God's great desire is to fellowship with us. Cuz you see when God made the world and the sky and the stars and the animals and the fish creation was still incomplete. The Bible says God is love. And if God is love, then what is the great desire of love? To have something, someone that you can express that love to. And before he created man, there was nowhere for love to express love. Because it was just creation. It was sticks and mud and stars and planets. But when he created man, when he built man out of the the mud of the earth, and he blew his own breath into his nostrils, creation was then complete. Because now, love had someone, something to love. I heard a guy, a theologian, say one time that God is complete, that God is complete, but that without man, God wouldn't be complete. I don't know about that, and I'm I'm not going to teach that, but I understand what he's trying to say is that that the, the purpose of God creating man is that we might receive his love, and in so doing, We might return his love. That's why he made us. Is to love. I don't know about you. But probably half of the class. Maybe a little more. Of the class are grandparents. Anybody here a grandparent? I don't know about you. But I'm finding having grandchildren. A lot more enjoyable than having children. There is a different dynamic to the relationship. Uh, the relation, I, I posted something on Facebook this week. No, I was going to post it. My wife told me not to. I've been teaching my little year and a half old grandson how to open cabinets. <laughs> and it drives his mother nuts. But she's afraid to say anything to me. <laughs> So, <laughs> just it just I just am really enjoying it, you know, and 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 seeing seeing the 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 mom and dad react, you know, to all the things this little one is is learning, you know, and and like I took him outside and and I told him I I had this big t- metal Tonka dump truck that weighs about ten pounds, you know, it's it's one of the old ones, it's not plastic. And so I showed him how to push it. So all over the backyard, man, he's just pushing this truck and picking stuff up and sticking it in there. And he did that because I showed him how to do it. And and I, I don't have to worry about uh, so many things. All I have to worry about is loving him. 
That's all I got. I don't even change diapers. I just go, no, I don't do that. You know, I'm a grandpa. I'm not. They can't force me to do it. I have authority over that. Amen. Now, my wife will do it. She just thinks it's a wonderful thing. God bless her. That's great. I mean, when he needs change, I take him to Nene and say, you know, you need changes, boy. <laughs> and so they don't ask me to do it because that's not my relationship with him. My relationship with him is to be his pops, is to just be there when he wants to get a little ornery but doesn't quite know how, you know. <laughs> so I just think that... Uh, uh, I, I think grandchildren are a wonderful thing. Um, the Bible says that we will rule with Christ. Uh, and so, and then it says that we will be like him in his image. I don't, I don't think that this side of heaven we know we will know exactly what that means you know like i said this is one of those things that is fairly ethereal it's it's we we just don't know you know now there have been a few people you know through history who have had this experience of of dying and just waking up right there at heaven's door and uh then then being you know, shocked or whatever, resurrected, come back, and with stories of of heaven. And what they say, if if you sit them down and talk to them, they will get to a place where they will say, "And I just don't understand what I was seeing." And there's a reason for that. Uh, John the Revelator said, you know, that that when God opened heaven, he said, "It's it's." Uh, no words to explain it. Now, I don't know about you, but from time to time on this old world, I have a pretty good day. I have a pretty good time. I especially like to have family over, you know, and we have our dining table seats 12 people. It has to, because every time I'm going to barbecue, it seems like everybody wants to show up. So we have some good days. But however good our day is, heaven's going to be better. Heaven's going to be better. How glorious that must be. But heaven is going to be better. We shall be like him. The co-author of this book is a man named Johnny Cook. Dr. Johnny Lee Cook. He was my dear, dear, sweet, sweet friend. We were best buddies. We used to travel together. We would go down the road from going from one church to another to do, you know, revival meetings or whatever. We'd get in Johnny's car and one of us would drive. And every now and then, something the other person said would remind us of an old country song. And we'd just break out in song. Just driving down with these two fools driving down the road in the Lincoln, you know, with the windows down, singing as loud as we could. <laughs> And just go from song to song to song to song. And it was great. It was good times. I, I Johnny was such a close friend, and he died way too young. Uh, he passed away a year before last, and, and it was just... I have a coffee cup that he gave me that had the insignia of the uh, college where I got my doctorate. 
And I use that coffee cup every day. And every day it reminds me of my friend. And I know that that sucker knows more about heaven than I do. (laughs) I told his wife last week, I said, you know what? We used to laugh about, didn't either one of us know what we're talking about? Well, now Johnny knows what he's talking about. And he's probably sitting up there tonight looking down and just laughing and saying, Hoss, if you only knew, if you only knew. We will live forever because the eternal Son of God lives in us. How long is forever? It's forever. It's forever. We will be immortal because he gives us the gift of eternal life. Eternal life. Nothing can kill us. Nothing can stop us. Jesus said in Revelation 1.18, I am he that lives and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore and how much will we be like that when the day comes I was thinking about that today I was thinking about my father-in-law who passed away a couple years ago and we had his funeral right here in this sanctuary downstairs and and he honored me by saying in his uh, will that he wanted me to preach the sermon. And I was thinking about that today and I thought, you know, he doesn't limp anymore. He doesn't miss those 18-inch putts anymore. He has a perfect body. A perfect body. And he knows all that he wants to know. We are in him because he is in us. Say, well, now, can you explain that? No, that's another one of those deals I can't explain. But but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives in us. Say, well, man, there must be five billion Christians. How's the Holy Spirit going to live in five billion different places? I don't know, but he does. He does. In John 11, uh, verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and he shall never die. I don't know about your Christianity. I don't know where you are in the process. I don't know if you got saved yesterday, uh, if you've been following God for 50 years, or maybe you don't know him. I don't know. But I know this. I know that we live because he lives in us. Everyone falls into two categories in relation to eternity. And we'll be done after this. Heaven or hell? If there is no hell, then God's a liar and there is no heaven. If there is a heaven, then God is truthful and there is a hell. I was 13 years old. I went to church camp. Spiritual young man that I was. 
I told my folks I wanted to go to church camp. I'd be gone all week. I remember my father saying, how much is it? I said, it's $20. He said, $20? You want me to give you $20 so you can go off to, to church camp for a week? I said, well, yeah, you know, yeah. He said, all right, you're going to have to work next week, but yeah, I'll give you the $20. You just work it off. So I wanted to go because I was such a spiritual young man. and Well, that's not exactly the truth. There was this little brunette girl who lived in a town just south of us. Her name was Laura Lee. She was gorgeous. At least that's my recollection of her. You know, who knows? And I had heard from her friend who was my first cousin that Laura Lee was going to go to church camp that year. So I didn't care how much I had to work, how hard Dad worked me, I was going to church camp. I went because of that little brunette girl. While we were there, uh, the evangelist was a fellow, his name was Tex Yearout. And he was speaking one night, We were, every night, before we went to our dorm, they had this big fire ring. It was like 15 feet across. It was huge. And they would fill it up with pine logs and set them on fire. And this one night, for some reason, uh, I was sitting on the first row. And they had these little concrete, you know, steps that you sit down on. And I was sitting there on the front row. And text started preaching, and he was preaching on the fires of hell. And I was sweating, and, and you know, I assured myself that it was just that that pine was really burning hot, you know. I'm, I mean, here you got this fire, fire, you know, this tall, shooting up off the ground, and and he started teaching about the fires of hell. And I can remember, and it's been 50 years ago. I said to myself, you are smarter than that. And I listened to the rest of what he had to say. And he said, if there's anybody here that wants to miss hell and go to heaven, I want you to raise your hand. I put my hand up. And I they said, Okay, the group of you go down and we all went down to the you know, to the meeting house, to the, the place where we ate and had meetings and that sort of stuff, to the cafeteria. And this man who I have no idea who he was, he was pro he was a counselor, either a pastor or, you know, somebody in somebody else's church. Read the four spiritual laws, tracked to me, you know, and and uh I understood and, and I accepted Christ as my Savior as a 13-year-old little boy who just wanted to see Laura Lee. And then he misled me. He did not mean to. He put his arm around me and he patted me on the back and he said, everything will be okay from now on. But that night, I gave my heart to Jesus. I didn't really understand heaven. I didn't understand much about it at all other than what Grandma had told me. 
I knew about hell because she told me about that too. And she told me that's where I was going if I didn't give my heart to Jesus. My grandma was very prophetic. And uh, when I was 12, we went to visit her. She lived in Ripley, Tennessee. It's in western Tennessee. It's kind of north of uh, Memphis, about 60 miles. She had told my parents, why don't you all go out to eat and I'll watch the kids. Well, anybody that has children knows the number one thing they want in life is for somebody else to watch them. Well, they can go out and act like adults for, uh, you know, even a couple hours, which I guess is what they made uh, grandparents for. But after she fed me, we were doing the dishes, and she said, well, well, you wash and I'll dry. And so I would wash the dishes and give them to her, and she'd put them in the rinse water, and then she'd dry them off and stick them over on the counter. And all this time she's doing that, she's telling me about her Jesus. I'm 12. She's telling me about her Jesus. And we got all through with the dishes. And all I want to do is go in the other room and lay down and get away from Grandma so she'll quit, stop talking about Jesus. (laughs) And she said to me, she said, Boy, have you accepted Jesus yet as your Savior? And the one thing I learned early in life was you do not lie to Grandma. I mean, she was very prophetic. If you lied to her, she'd know it. And the next thing you'd understand was her hand upside of your head. She, Miss Loopy didn't fool around. When it was about Jesus, she was serious. She said, boy, have you accepted Jesus yet as your Savior? I said, no, ma'am, not, not, not yet I haven't. I'm going to someday, but not yet. She said, come with me. And we went into her bedroom, and she had one of these, remember the old iron beds? They, with the with the springs and they were just you could look at it and it'd squeak you know and she said to me she'd say come here and uh, you know and, and she got down on her knees by that bed the best she could and she took me and just planted me right beside her and she put one hand on my head put the other hand toward heaven and prayed and said oh God Protect this heathen boy until you can get him saved, Jesus. Amen. That was it. But the next year, when she said, Boy, are you going to heaven? I said, Yes, ma'am. I'm going. I'm going. So, uh, there's an old song that says, What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. For one day you will be asking, What will he do with me? Amen.